All right, hello, Electric Picnic. Uh, it's like I always imagined uh, Phoenix Knights comes to mind a little bit here for our opening but you're very welcome along to a special recording of the Dadcast we're here live in Trailer Park which is the true spirit of Electric Picnic this is the anarchy that I think the uh, originators of the entire festival had in mind if they were to come back and stroll through the Electric Picnic this is the bit they'd come to and they would stop at Dadcast (laughs) because the people who used to come to Electric Picnic when it started are all ancient like us now this is like us reliving our youth somehow coasting on the fumes of the last days of our lives. I can't get away from the anarchy of, uh, of the festival with four, 40-ish, 40, uh, 40-ish, speak for yourself. 40-ish <laughs> old fellas sitting around chewing the fat. There's about eight people in front of the stage. And we love uh, all of them. That's all that well, matters. Well, hang on. Are you there, there are eight favourite people in the world. Are you there because the seats were free? Or <laughs> you, do you actually Thumbs know up. what's happening here? Thumbs up. No, no one has a clue. No one has a clue what's happening here. Um... So maybe you start. Tell us exactly why we're here. Okay. I'll, uh, t- well, we were meant to be here half an hour ago. So firstly, I'm sure the crowds were here at half one when we were advertised. <laughs> yeah. So we do apologize for the delay. Why, why were we late, Nathan? We were recording another show. Children. Was, your, your children. children. Sorry, our Somebody children got, A kid got us. sick. It's the default excuse. Whenever you're late for anything or don't turn yeah. up for anything. Or don't really want to go to anything. You, you just, just say the kid got sick. Yeah, just why say, are we here? Just say so vomit. Say you were cleaning up vomit. And for that reason, you were delayed. So uh, the Dadcast basically came about, we started about a year ago, maybe 15 months ago, but really it had started behind the scenes about three or four years ago when myself, Jer, and Dave started having children. And like most people at work, spent all our time no longer talking about going to festivals like Electric Picnic or gigs, just shiting on about our children all day, every day. And it used to drive Adrian slightly demented, would come into every meeting we ever had in our job, giving out about it until eventually he had a kid and suddenly bowed down and said give me all that wonderful advice you've had for the last few years I want my children to be just like your children how did you become such brilliant parents yeah and I that's mean, how it all started I think it would be important to say that there, was, there has never been any wonderful advice or certainly no suggestion that there's any wonderful parenting going on I think that's the Essence. I thought that was the essence of that. Hang on. You think I'm a brilliant parent. To be fair. Now, now Davey does. But at the start, when Oof. this thing started, we thought you were one of the worst human <laughs> beings that, on the planet. And in fairness, there's, a, there's a, a 30 episodes of, of your evolution to get to the point where you've, you've grown up a little bit. I, that's fair. I think I have. I'm, I wouldn't give any of the credit for that to you guys. Well, let's, let's start. We wanted to talk about bedroom politics uh, as our first talking point here because... Um, Nathan rolled over in the middle of the night and started to snore while his sick, well, his sick child or his, his awake child... No, not sick, just pain in the whole child. Okay, so just the pain in the whole child, who shall remain nameless for fear of retribution when she listens to this down the road. <laughs> he only has one daughter, so it's fine. Uh, so what happens? What, what's your advice for, uh, for dads who are in a situation where you're in bed with your wife, it's the middle of the night, the child starts to cry, you obviously, you're a modern parent, you get up... You pull, you pull your weight in this instance? Well, you say that. You say that. And I, I am wondering, am I alone in this? Because this is something that obviously doesn't crop up in someone's life until children do arrive. The baby awakes at 3 a.m. I know I'm coming here today, working, while my wife is going to be at home all day with three children, having to mind them. So it's 3 a.m. One of us has to get up. And I'm lying there, eyes closed, pretending obviously I'm not hearing the child. And I'm just wondering about the pol- in the middle of night with your head absolutely frazzled, trying to figure out how much shit I'm going to be in and how much it's worth me just lying there pretending <laughs> nothing's happening so I can be fresh to come here today. It's important that you were fresh for Dadcast. 
Sel- for selfless. Picnic. Nathan, selfless. Self- selflessness is a constant feature of the podcast. Which are, well, like essentially what you're doing is trying to outsleep your wife because you're both awake. Oh, right? we're absolutely both 100% yeah. awake. And you need a cut-off point. We have, and this is genuine, a 5 a.m. cut-off point. Any events that take place pre-5 a.m. are my responsibility. And anything that occurs post-5 a.m. are her responsibility. And it works out pretty even. You would think, yeah, well, I'm getting the short straw because the majority of the night is between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Yeah. But if something does happen after 5 a.m. and and the kids then get up, I'm the one who gets to stay in bed. Does it not just mean then that not, like neither of you end up getting a full night's sleep ever? Well, that's you're not just saying happen. night on, night off. No, you wake up anyway. If the shit's hitting the fan, you can't just n- avoid waking up. Okay, so hang on. Do you do night on, night off? Or because... You know, you have just, a new baby. Me, it's like I just try to. You're always night I off. I genuinely try to outsleep my wife. That's generally we don't. There's no cutoff point. There's a, and, and to be fair, with our one, who's uh, our baby, who's uh, nine months old, it's generally just get up and put her soother in, and she's fine. Or bring her into the bed. Um, she has no interest in me, is the thing. So it's a pretty fruitless exercise. Me trying to get up to calm her down. It's really, she's only interested in my wife. So, I mean, that does work to my benefit hugely. What do you do? Oh, you see, we've had that dynamic whereby I was working, my wife wasn't working, yet I still got up all the time. She's now back to work. She suddenly expects that it's going to be a sharing of the role, whereas I think actually, yeah, she should still probably do that a little bit more. Why? Well, she's only working part-time. Does it even count? Oh! <laughs> Does it even count? Oh. Is this, is this You're for, in is a lot this, of trouble. Is this session for this audience only? Or no, this, this session is being recorded. Right. Uh, the, the good folks at uh, Who Let the Dads Out have a full recording system here. We're not just broadcasting to the 600 people who are like, <laughs> who are in the room at the minute keeping an eye on us. The usual um, oversharing that we do, I, I kind of thought we were... Uh, I thought today was sort of the kind of unplugged session where it was never going to see the light of day that we could actually... Yeah, no, it's definitely going to see the light of day. Right. Um, do you want to do you want to go back we, on that? Well, and I, I, your I think part-time no, job, no, no, which, no, I which think we money into your family is very important. Well, it is massively, yeah. massively important. And I, you're I, proud of the work that she does? Of course, okay. she knows this. I don't need to tell to her publicly. Here. It's perfectly fine. We should touch on the incredibly brave people who are out there who have brought their children to Electric Picnic. Yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. Are you? No. I, I can't do it. Well, it does fit in with sort of our team. After about three or four weeks of doing this podcast, we were getting a lot of correspondence about why do we hate our children. <laughs> So we had to sort of put out at the start of every podcast, we love our children, but we also acknowledge that they're an absolute pain in the hole. So not, not you, of course, but other people's, I'm sure. But some children are you lovely. Look, you look like you're actually enjoying Electric Picnic. If my children were here right now, God help everybody. What would happen, Nathan? You would give them uh, two bottles of Coke and say, off you go. We put a tracker on you. We'll see you around midnight. Pretty much. Yeah, I that, think that's, that's actually, there is a business opportunity there. There's a lot of business in there. A little tracker for your kids at Electric Picnic so they can just do whatever the hell they want and then and they arrive back. She's leaving. She, oh, don't tell me She's we insulted. Oh, the entire it's family. Language. It's, the, it's the poor language. Puts people off. I have a tile, one of those tiles in my wallet. Oh, yeah. You slip yeah. that into your kid's pocket and you're golden. Yeah. Until he realizes that's what you've done and throws it in a bin. Did your wife and, give you that? Um, <laughs> she did, actually. To find yeah. you, to follow you. Oh, it's come in useful. It has allowed me to find my wallet several times. But I would, my five-year-old would know what had happened, and he'd find the first bin, throw the tile in, and then just rip shit up for the next seven or eight hours. I, I couldn't bring them. They'd wreck yeah. the place. They'd I ruin th- everyone else's electric picnic. I don't know about you, but like, I find it incredibly difficult to get from first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning to last thing at night, just in the regular scheme of things, where you've got all the 
modern uh, things that you acquire to hand to be able to help you, whether it's like snacks or TV or I couldn't even possibly begin to think <laughs> what it might be like to. You just bring snacks and be the, fine. Out at the elements. You just bring snacks yeah. and like. What happens if they like shit themselves? Or, which my uh, uh, change and a half clothes. Ones, yeah. When's the last time you were at a festival and didn't shit yourself? <laughs> ah, to be fair. I haven't done it in 2019 yet, Dave, but, I mean, the day is young, so... Yeah, we've got good plans for today, Dave. You, you might be uh, heading <laughs> off, but we've got good plans. Who knows where it's going to take it. So, speaking of oversharing, one of the things that has happened uh, over the course of this podcast is that we've revealed a little bit too much about our private lives and our family, and uh, it has resulted in some difficult situations, particularly for Adrian, who told the world that his wife's pregnancy snoring was so bad that it was keeping him awake, and he thought that this was a natural thing to talk about because everybody's uh, experience of pregnancy is that you end up sounding like a beached whale, right? And then there was stunned silence around the rest of the room as we closed ranks were like, no, of course not. You you lied. My wife's nasal passage was totally clear for the entire time that she was bringing my three wonderful children into this earth. (laughs) Did you ever recover from that incident or is it still brought up at like family gatherings? There's, there is hardly, to be fair, there's hardly a week in the podcast that goes past without one of you mentioning it, so that does make it more difficult. I've obviously stated on the record several times that actually I overstated what happened. It was far less severe than I would have ever explained. Okay, uh, don't worry about the, but the that caveat disclaimer. She's not going to listen to this one. In at every you can just say it's a special. <laughs> uh, it does come up, and people have mentioned it to her, uh, way outside of the, po- the podcast, which is, which is incredibly worrying. And there was also a scenario where we went to have our second, uh, we were having our second child, we went to see the uh, consultant, and um, we, I told a story on the first recording of the podcast about the consultant having a conversation about Kevin Kilban in the middle of the uh, birthing <laughs> process. Uh, in, again, it was the very first episode. I never thought anybody was ever going to listen to it. So she threatened, essentially. She walked into the consultant's room and threatened to tell. The consul- he said, oh, you, she said to him, they've just started making a podcast. You feature in episode one. You really should go back and have a listen to that. It was only at that point I realized that that was the retribution for my constant oversharing <laughs> about the pregnancy snoring that I way overstated. We should point out that that isn't the worst thing Adrian has done when it comes to his wife and the podcast. Obviously, revealing her uh, shocking snoring was bad, but I'm sure any of the mothers or fathers out there will realize the error of his ways when his wife, about, what, two, three months after having your second child, decided to go on that, that big moment. She decided to leave the children at home by herself and go out for a couple of hours couple of hours away from the children for the what first is, time very what first is the time. one rule no matter what happens unless this child is on the verge of death you do not call her <laughs> and even then you need to think twice about it can i can even, i just sorry even then the text is no it's all fine don't worry it was ha- enjoy your night it wasn't it was shit can can everybody hear back there can you lads with the beers can you hear i want to get a show of hands here are you fathers <laughs> are you dads you're not fathers grant but you can participate anyway everybody here right <laughs> if you're at home which you're then what age was she like three months old right so the first time my wife had ventured outside second the house... Second child. Not, second, not even your first child. child your second, second child. child. I, that's a good point, Jerry. I had looked after the first child and he was perfectly happy in his bed. That's an excellent point to make. But we'll take a show of hands, right? So if the child has been wailing for the last hour, right? There's nothing clearly that I could do to sedate the child, right? I'd done the bottles. I'd done the walking around the house. I'd tried a bit of TV. I'd tried absolutely everything. There was nothing happening. <laughs> At that point, right? That's everything, definitely. Certainly, certainly a part of it was to do with my sanity, but also the safety of the child, right? The most important thing. Let's not forget that. Can we take a show of hands? If you're in that same position, right? And if you're a woman, please feel free to contribute to this poll as well, which might Especially if you're time. a woman, please. If that's happening, do you, at that point, text your wife, who's only up the road, and has been gone already for an hour and a half. First night oh, out. An hour and a half. First night out in a year. First night do out you, drinking in a year. Do you, when she texts and says, everything okay, do you go, no, it's not, it's fucked, come home ASAP, 
which is what I did, or do you put the phone back in your pocket? Show hands, would you text your wife to come home? One hand, one, one single hand, hand for the thousand own. people we've got out one, there. We've got one truth teller over come here. On. One truth teller. Good man. Fair play to you. Would you, under no circumstances, text your wife? Show of hands. Everybody else, yes, everybody 900 agrees. hands. Yeah. Unless the child one. is in A&E in Crumlin, leave her alone. And even, and even then. then. To be fair, we have had several successful uh, situations of me minding the child after that. So yeah, I, but there's no number of them that can atone for what you did that night. <laughs> yeah. It was the low point of this podcast, and believe hoping, me, there have been many of them. I was hoping that everybody that was not of the view of you lot, but it does seem as if we're outnumbered here. <laughs> the other, the other uh, topic that comes up fairly regularly for uh, our new listeners to the Dadcast is the issue of the SNP and whether or not you're actually supposed to get it after a certain amount of kids. Uh, Dave's wife has oh, helpedly... Yeah. Yeah, hands, hands up if you've had the SNP. Yeah. Only the one. Two, Only the one. Another guy at the back there. One you're the back, you're yeah, quite young on. to have got it, actually. Fair play to you. Only two men out there have had the SNP. Come and on, be honest, lads. There are some liars... Yeah, there there's loads, we've well. already proven there's loads of liars in the audience uh, for Dave's birthday his wife got him a letter from the doctor to say an appointment with the doctor to go and get a letter for the snip how is that letter Dave is it is it you know has it it's about three years out of date has it been delivered no um, I've since learned you don't actually need a GP's referral letter you can just <laughs> go and get it done yeah you can just rock up because I was out on Saturday night just gone and a good friend of mine told me that he has just had it done Pain-free? No. What? It wasn't pain-free. He As said there was a considerable level of discomfort both on the day and the day after. And he certainly didn't sell the process to me at all. And is it working since? For him? Yeah. I think he's still in that six-month cooling-off period. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> is there a recommended cooling-off period? I think, yeah, there's like, they've got to go oh, back yeah. and test is it. Really? Oh, yeah, you've got to get the sperm count tested oh, yeah. afterwards right. to make sure it's... Yeah, has the swelling yeah, gone down? Look, see, even questions like that, has the swelling gone down? Why would anyone be encouraged to actually get it done? You just... There is look, no swelling. That's the joke. It's, it's the swelling come back is the other... Yeah. I wouldn't... I don't want one done on the side of the street. Get one done in Bulgaria. <laughs> look... I'm eight years married. I'm not even sure the snip is needed. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's definitely another issue, uh, in, uh, which, we, which we'll come back to if anybody wants us to a little bit later on. Um, speaking of oversharing, uh, I saw a tweet the other day. Why do you never see those pregnancy test ads where it's somebody absolutely thrilled that it's negative as opposed to it being positive? You know the way in the, the blue line comes across and there's always a beautiful young couple who are like, yes. This is amazing. It's the greatest day of our lives. Um, well, we were the other side of that fairly recently, where I had to zip down to the uh, the chemist. When I told this story originally on the podcast, I told this as like a past tense historic story. When did you tell this story? Well, I told the story that you know what it's like when you're uh, you're running to the pharmacy to get it. Actually, I told the other side of it. My, my memories of getting it the first time. You know, you go down. And the, uh, you know, you're like a little bit embarrassed asking for a pregnancy test kit when actually, you know, it turns out the pharmacist sells a lot of shit, like hemorrhoid cream, whatever else it is that, that you know, I'm you're probably getting it, anyway. it take yeah, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> is there any, is that a good stuff? Is there did an you, with that? Did you have like four tubes of hemorrhoid cream on the counter and yeah, then yeah. try to sneak the pregnancy test exactly. underneath it? Exactly, the first time you do it, it's like, embarrassing moment. you know. Uh, so that was the story that I told about. Uh, but actually the truth was that weekend I, I had been dispatched urgently to go down and see... Here, hang on a second. We might have some bad news coming here. Oh, I was secretly happy about the prospect of having another child. What? 
Yeah. Number four. Yeah, I was like, well, How you know, we our lives are ruined. We have three children. It's not going to get any any worse. When was this? And who knows? This is about six months ago. Jesus. And um, who knows? Maybe we might get this one right. Maybe all the mistakes on number one, slight improvement number two, slight improvement number three, although that's debatable. And then number four might actually be the one that, you know, does goes something to college. Good. Exactly. Does something good with their lives or survives <laughs> to, to 18 or, or, or worse, better, moves out at some point in the future because nobody's ever moving out of our houses because we live in Dublin. Uh, but yeah, there was like that. Uh, there was mixed emotions. My wife was absolutely delighted that this like broken line was like, you are not pregnant. Woohoo! There should be a good marketing campaign for that. So, what was, was your point. reaction when, when it wasn't that it's thin like, blue line? Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's good news. I mean, it is good news. Could she but see the disappointment in your yeah, eyes? No, she was like, "Shut the fuck up! You're like never coming near me again." <laughs> this is, whereas in Nathan's case, it's the other way around. What's the other way around? Your wife's getting you drunk on the. Well, there is that. In fact, something very similar happened to us over recent weeks, and I too had that same. Well, no, my wife definitely had the joy. I was gone. Maybe it'll be okay. Like, we've got through three. Yeah. What, what, what's Sorry, the worst whoa, that could whoa, happen? Whoa. You've, what? How have you found yourself in a position where you had to get a pregnancy test? Red wine, Dave. Pretty easy. I've explained <laughs> What's it to going you? on? <laughs> you know, you've, you've done it three times. How are you possibly still He's being done so more than that, but carefree? Said, Dave, look, He's the people done. out here understand. A <laughs> yeah, couple of glasses of red wine. My wife loses the run of herself. The train, the train had left the station, Dave. It was too late to put the handbrake on. <laughs> You're a daredevil. I, I always, I, I now recognise the look in my wife's eyes, though. Not that look. The look I, <laughs> <laughs> that, that look I, I kind of recognise. Three, three kids later, I now recognise that. I recognise the look of when she's pregnant <laughs> from our second child. So we had Irish twins of our first was six months old when she found out she was pregnant with the second and we were on holidays in Spain and I came back with the buggy from walking the first child to sleep and she had that look there were tears in her eyes and I'm like someone's dead obviously it can be the only explanation she's like I can't believe it I can't believe it the worst thing has happened and I'm going through my head of hierarchy of dead people that could force us to go home early from our holiday she's like I'm pregnant which I was kind of like you was like okay fair enough but uh, I've never let her forget that like she didn't want that second child. I think it's important to remind her. By the way, by the way, normally, normally what happens is we record this uh, podcast and we edit out the bits we don't want with her. no reactions, and we're not one hundred percent sure whether what we're saying is like edgy or not. But Nobody I mean, here reactions is there? Makes you a bad person, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She did want it. She just she was it. a she bit surprised at that time. Yeah, she didn't realize it at the time. the jury's out. I'm, I'm, I'm just amazed that in the last six months both of you have been in that position I thought we were past that I thought both of you are as adamant in your oh, statements that you were never having any more children but I find as like today I'm adamant at one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon about a lot of things but by one o'clock on Saturday night my feelings on various things in life change dramatically are you as carefree and risk seeking in any other parts of your life it's crazy behavior you two are engaging in. No, Absolutely I mean, crazy. I mean, <laughs> having sex with your wife is not that crazy, Dave. Yeah, it I is, mean, it is when you're in your 40s and you've already got three kids. I'm only 37. Just it's actually pretty size. normal. I realize Ireland was very repressed when we were kids, but like, things have changed. It's okay to have sex with your missus. It's, like, it's, it's, it's encouraged. 
<laughs> Once a month schedule, Dave. You know that. <laughs> so the other thing that we should explain a little bit is that uh, Dave Dave comes in and out of our lives as um, as a, a member of the podcast because sometimes he's busy and sometimes he can't do it. And there was a, a good couple of weeks there where he wasn't in. And while he was away, I told a story about being at a stag. My 43-year-old mate was getting married. He was a late bloomer. It was his first marriage, so it was okay. And, uh, and we were all able to celebrate it properly, I mean, without going, you know, what's the ex thinking of this? But anyway... Uh, we're at like two in the morning everybody's hammered and he turns around to one of my friends who's been married the longest and who has two kids and who may have had a snip I'm not sure because there's been no um, no activity since and he says uh, so getting married do you have to schedule sex and my friend was like no we do it every night I wish I wish why we all broke our hearts laughing because we realized you know it's it's a lie. But the the unmarried man was like a bit confused because like you know is, is it is that what happens? Is, there, is that like an added bonus of how this all works out? So anyway, we had this conversation, and I brought up the do you have to schedule sex? And uh, I got the same look of silence that you've all I've got from all you out there going. Oh, don't worry, this is a bit uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about this. You know, I mean. Especially the couples out there, right? Yeah, definitely not getting enough of it, but like every night seems a little bit, you know, knackered. That's bullshit. It's bullshit is what it is. But anyway, Dave, hang on a second. Uh, Nathan and Adrian both were like, ha, 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 and looked at the microphone and said nothing. Dave came in the next week and we had posted the the topic as, uh, do you have to schedule sex as the uh, name of the podcast? So straight up, we're like, oh, so Dave, do you have to schedule sex? He's like, well, sometimes, you know, it's kind of a bit of a help. Launched straight into the answer with the oversharing. So uh, it's good to have people not always aware, not always listening to the podcast. Well, I mean, I'm just delighted to hear that he is actually having sex. Why? So, whoa, 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 I never <laughs> said that. Well, if you're scheduling it, you just not, you just schedule it, and that's it. I don't recall. It's like, I, uh, I, I Friday, don't 8 o'clock, love. No, it, would, it's, it definitely isn't committed to paper. It's not legally binding. You said like an outlook reminder. It's almost, it's just a conversation that might take place on a... A Wednesday at regarding <laughs> a Friday night. I'm feeling a bit horny right now. Um, I'll see you Friday at 7 o'clock. I'm so screwed after this one. <laughs> or, or not. Or not. <laughs> I've said... <laughs> Never again. <laughs> I've said many things in this podcast. I haven't felt as uncomfortable as I do right now. I'm not saying any more on this matter. Someone else pick it up. But as for so the guy, you, if we make this a yearly event, can you guarantee the people out here you will have had the snip by this time next year on all their behalf, so you can give a proper first-hand account? <laughs> if if Electric Picnic and our good friends and Risky Business and everybody in the uh, involved in this project can guarantee we'll be back next year, I will have had the snip. Oh, <laughs> a round of applause! Wow. It's on the it's on the records. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a big if. Who's going to invite us back after this? And this must be like a career highlight, Dave, in front of a bunch of people. Well, I don't think you're going to get the snip. And I'm starting to think it's, it's very, this is very much the definition of, a, of an Irish queue. People see a queue, they have absolutely no idea what it's for, but they join it anyway. And I think there's a lot of people watching us right now. There's a considerable crowd. Please don't leave. They're but they, uh, they just saw a large group of people and thought, there must be something going on here we need to see. And here they are. Yeah. I was thinking it is a sad reminder of um, our ageing coming here because I think back, say, I'm 37, just to point out I'm not 40 like, uh, not 40 like the rest of you. So obviously like a lot I'm of people here. I'm not 40. 20, I'm not 40. 20 either. years ago, I was 17, and I probably was like had dreams of like headlining the main stage at Electric Picnic, being a rock and roll star. 10 years ago, I'm coming to Electric Picnic as a consumer and getting locked and having a brilliant time and trying to take over the world. 
And now, ten years on, the main thing that takes up our podcast and our minds is the people, the terrible people out there who park in the parent and child <laughs> spot of super value, in not line in particular, but don't have any fucking children. You... No, there's a guilty laugh over here. No, you, are, you do it. Oh, you're no one way. of those people. Oh, your friend just ratted you out. Nothing we have covered over the last year, Jesus I think, has got the biggest response to our war on those type of people. Have you done it? Have you just pulled in? For, no, no, no. How, how old are your children? 26. You still yeah. park in the chair, parent and child spot. Is there anyone out there that is willing to put their hand in the air Don't and admit do it, he'll kill you. that they have parked in a parent and child spot in a shopping centre without kids? Ooh. Oh my God! Oh. Oh. Everybody! That's all scumbags! Bad, Not bad cool. people. Not cool. That's terrible. We're, someone called security. This is an absolute disgrace. I would walk on because Dave can tell the story himself of when he people? literally Jesus. followed a lady around a supermarket. An old woman. Explain this, to a Dave, coster. Yeah, come on. Come on, Dave. Tell us the story. <laughs> I <laughs> this actually happened. I was in a shopping centre in North Dublin where there was literally one parent-child parking space. And not one of the posh ones in North Dublin, you know. Come on. You, you can, There's you can two portions of the car park. One was right outside the shop. The other is like 150, 200 metres down a hill. I didn't have the buggy with me. I think the little fellow was about 15 months old at the time. And I'm pulling into this car park. There's one car driving in ahead of me. And I can see from where I am that the parent-child spot is free. Happy days. It's a 10-yard walk. And then this wagon drove into the parking spot and got out. And she clearly had no kids. So anyway, I rolled down my window and said, sorry, that's a parent-child spot. I notice you don't have any children with you. Why don't you mind your own effing business, was the response. Normally, I'm a fairly reasonable rational young man normally you do the actions for this one Dave don't 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 scrimp come on <laughs> go on do and it. I just I just I think it was the colourful language in particular that got my goat up but I was I wasn't taking it lying down so I drove the 200 metres down to the bottom of the car park I had a good five minutes to cool off and decide not to chase her into the drapery store it wasn't long enough so I followed her in there was she was having a conversation with the owner of the shop and I basically just started telling her what I thought of her and how she was ful- not fulfilling her civil duty and that she needed to be more polite to those around her. Love thy neighbour, I think, was the general gist of my message. What did you actually say? I just what the fuck are you doing parking in that car park? No, I didn't, I didn't, even, ra- didn't even raise my voice. Certainly didn't lower myself to the use of four-letter expletives that she had done. And um, I just told her that I thought it was, it was a very disappointing bit of behaviour. <laughs> And I held up my poor little 15-month-old. You had to walk all the way up. You'd barely learn how to walk at that stage. And I told, I basically shoved some onions in his eyes on the way into the shop so he'd be crying by the time we got in. And uh, there were three or four other customers who clearly did, didn't expect this to happen. She didn't expect it to happen. But look, you just you got to do what you got to do. All you people out there that are parked in a parent-child space with no kids, you're a disgrace. He's coming for you. He is coming for you. It shouldn't happen. Would you park in a disabled parking spot? Yes, they're all nodding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who are these people? The four, la- the four lads on the back of this. When we're recording our podcast, it's usually one of the younger lads in the office <laughs> who recorded around 22, 23, and they're listening in to these stories, and they all have the same look as you. With that, They're going to choose 
Dave's path in life of abstinence and not going to go near a woman for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Because the terrible things are about to happen. This by by the look of those lads, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly not their ambition. <laughs> While we're getting um, a show of hands, I just need clarity on this because I've also got um, a cues of things. So the shopping experience is something that now takes up a big part of our lives, unfortunately, as sad as we are. Is it acceptable for me when I'm bringing my two-year-old shopping to stuff a croissant in his mouth when I get in just keep him going for the whole way around. But then you, don't, you obviously don't have to pay for that, do you? When you're leaving. It's a special free croissant for Nathan in Super Quinn. At li- no, at least you haven't mentioned the fact that you're, you park at Super Value in Nogline. <laughs> and you are the one stealing the free the croissants. <laughs> but it's not, there's no evidence left of the food. So therefore, how could you pay for it? Well, if you haven't just said it on a podcast, I suppose you probably get away these with these it. I was in a shopping centre yesterday, Nathan, and I thought of you. Because I bought one of those... Um, tubs of Rocky Road squares, chunky squares, Oof. and I've li- I'm 10 seconds out of the shop and it's a, one of those see-through boxes and I can look at the box and it's like 10% left in the box. <laughs> Somebody had gone through it, eaten it on their way around the shopping centre, then left it back on the shelf. And I thought of you. <laughs> I thought your kids had done it. You'd actually bought one that Nathan or somebody else. Exactly. Nathan. <laughs> and and his, they put it back. Nathan oh. and his grubby little children. Oh. <laughs> I had to bring it back and get a new box. I told you, Nothing, and, no, 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 and your croissant, your croissant munching eight-year-old. <laughs> nothing with a barcode is my is my key. <laughs> I'm, hang on a second. What was what was the product you bought? It was uh, like Rocky a Road. cakes, Rocky Road cakes, like protein, protein. No, no, these Rocky are for Road. these are for a barbecue today. I won't be eating any of them. All right, Dave doesn't buy anything that doesn't have protein in it or isn't made from some sort of cardboard that is absolutely <laughs> no use to you whatsoever. Tuck crackers, tuck crackers. A revelation. Can't get enough talk crackers. Um, Dave, the, the, this is obviously the dad cast. We love being parents. We love being modern parents, pulling our weight, doing the sort of stuff that you're supposed to do as a, as a human who's uh, involved in the wor- real world. Ah, the very man. I, I tell a story about you quite a lot on this podcast, actually, which I, which I might bring up in a minute. Are you the guy who scheduled sex? No, 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 no. 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 Uh, he's the guy who had twins who told me, Never have children, or at least put it put it off for as long as you possibly can. And I did. So, great advice, Pat. Thank you very much. Um, th- th- it's the best day of your life, right? The day your child is born, your first child is born. It's the best day of your life, right? That's what society tells you to feel. It's what society tells you 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 must think. And you know, I actually myself and Nathan, in particular, we would have interviewed a lot of Premier League footballers over the years, and they might have won something big, like a, a major final or a big game. Or an international. Is this one? Is this the best day of your career? Yeah, you know, you know, bar the bar the day of my wedding and the day my son was born. This is the best day of my life, which is absolute bollocks. The f- day our first was born was one of the worst days of my life, because there's nothing good about it. Firstly, you have to watch your wife in agony for anything from 12 to 36 hours, depending on how rough the birth birthing process is. You should go into some detail there, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, induction. <laughs> One word, induction. Are there any former inductees? <laughs> and I, I know I'm asking our audience here, which there's quite a number of you, to divulge very private information here, so I'm not surprised none of you have accepted the opportunity to answer the question. But anyway, induction is not easy. So I hear, and so I could see. So you're watching your wife in agony for a long time. You've absolutely no idea what's going on. And all the while, you are yourself getting more and more tired and you know that deep within you you don't have the capacity 
to deal with the fact that you're going to be bringing up a child that requires you to be in his life or he dies. And that feeling got in on me over the course of the day. And as we were getting closer to the point where, you know, a baby's going to be here very shortly, I was hoping that, you know, it's going to, when the baby arrives and, and you actually hold your baby in your arms, you will feel that instant bond and you look down at him and you'll think, this is actually the greatest moment of my life. No, it's not. It's a terrifying moment. And then it was the next morning where the nurse had sent me home for maybe three or four hours sleep. You're no use to us here. Go home, get some kip. I was hoping by the time I got back to the hospital the next day that I would start to look forward to actually going back into the maternity ward and to seeing my son again. And I didn't. And I felt awkward and I felt worried and I felt unworthy. And that feeling lasted about 36 hours. So when I look back on all of that, the day he was born was not a good day. And that is my honest recollection of the events of that day. Now, it isn't that I have no feelings for that sort of situation because when my second son was born two and a half years later he arrived in 40 minutes absolutely no complications we were back home by midday that day so he was 11 hours after he was born we were back at home I knew what I was doing I had gone through it all before and that was one of the best days of my life but people feel the need to lie about the day that their children were born and tell everyone how great it was when actually it was really, really shit. I always feel the need need to lie about the day my first child was born because it was a Sunday evening and uh, we went into the hospital for contractions that started. We went into the hospital and they said, you don't live too far from the hospital, you can go home till they're, whatever, 30 seconds apart. Which wasn't the best idea on the hospital's part because it was a Sunday evening, which uh, in my house is golf-watching night. (laughs) And I may have had a substantial bet on one of the golfers who was playing that evening, which meant that for the four hours that the contractions were getting tighter and he was going down the final nine holes, I was sort of adding ten seconds to the stopwatch so that I wouldn't get to the 30 seconds before he got down the 18th hole, which is... Um, Just explain what you were doing. You were, you were not telling the truth about how frequent the contractions were, which meant you got to stay at home and watch the golf instead of giving your wife the urgent medical care she needed to deliver your child. The child arrived and everything was fine afterwards. That's all that mattered there. <laughs> did you win your bet? Yes. Oh, we did, because I was on the same one. <laughs> so it was the best day of your life. It was, it was a really good day. <laughs> and in the hierarchy is winning the bet. Uh, what's the order? She's like, I've never seen you as happy. I was like, I know. <laughs> how many of you dads out there, well, how many of you men out there are dads? Okay. So there's about ten hands up there. The day your firstborn was born, was that the best day of your life? Yes, We've gone from like ten to like, one. No, 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 no. Okay, three. No, I'm with these guys. I'm with, totally with these guys. Like, the but you're in the minority, I'm and yet society enough, tells you it should be the best day of your life. But Dave, the one thing you've proven here, I mean, over the course of the podcast, is you don't give a shit about society. It's not like that's no, <laughs> that's not a pressure for you. That's a good thing, though. I think um, no, for me it was definitely it was sort of different. We had uh, cesarean section, which is piece of piss. Um, for you, yeah, for you, um, which is a bit more straightforward. But we did have a whole night of uh, contractions and all that stuff. But it was like it was definitely for me the most life affirming moment. Like I was, I was actually maybe I had overthought it beforehand because I was conscious of all that stuff, right? About the you got to have this instant connection with your kid, and it's going to make you feel as if everything just ties together in one moment. And I kind of uh, considered that beforehand. I could consider it was a load of shit, and if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. But actually, as it turns out, it didn't. It was amazing, and it was. Like you turn into a blubbering mess. Our, we had, uh, our kid was uh, jaundiced, and um, it was it was like so. The nurse that broke the news 
to be fair, probably could have done it in a slightly better manner. Um, I'd sort of delivered it like a hammer blow. And we're brand new parents, and she's saying, I'm sorry, but your child is jaundiced. Like, she might as well have said, the child has got six hours to live. <laughs> we're going to have to take the child away from you. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, we're getting separated already. And, uh, and I broke down like I was an absolute blubbering mess. And at that point, my wife was like, oh, shit, I thought this was just... The kid is John. This is going to be fine. But then she turns into a blubbering mess beside me. But uh, clearly, the kid was fine. There was no problem whatsoever. But I did find it. It was definitely one of the most... It was the most life-affirming moment of my life. And I apologize for that. Day. Sounds There's to no me like to another moment where your wife needed you. Yeah. You weren't there for her. Exactly. <laughs> You're the one who sets her off. When all you've got is this minor setback and you've massively overreacted to it. Because, like... Yeah. It's a common theme. <laughs> I'm okay with admitting it. To be fair, she's aware of it. She accommodates me in that way so it's a relationship that works really well yeah just uh, briefly to talk about the actual day itself it's a horrific experience um, we did like all of the antenatal classes I went to all of them I sat there and we did all the breathing techniques and all that kind of stuff and they you, tell you that you took your notes it's going to be an amazing yeah. thing the baby's going to be born like really quickly and then if uh, you know if it's all going well they'll put the baby on your on your legs and the baby will crawl up to the breast this happens all the time uh, no, a SWAT team comes in, they hoover the baby out, the blood is squirting all over the place, and you're completely irrelevant going, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> that's the truth of what an actual birth is like, In except for you when you're like behind the curtain, and that's all happening out of view. Uh, as as when the consultant talking to about Kevin Kilban, yeah. yeah. But there, no, there was, we did have it the second time. And at least the women get the drugs. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might be an idea to offer everybody in the room a little bit of the... <laughs> Would you like a little bit? Can't think that. Yeah, I'll have a little bit of that, please. For, for, the, for our second kid, we had, so we had um, vaginal birth, which I think is the correct expression that everybody feels really uncomfortable about Natu- Natural birth. I, think. I know, but yeah. I mean, it's to suggest the other way is not natural, which is bullshit. Well, it's, section it's is not natural. Dave, it's a vaginal birth. Embrace it. Get on with it. Everything's fine. There weren't fine. many children born in the 1500s by C-section. In, in, my, in my mind, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the stats. I suspect you're probably... Okay, sidetrack. Sidetrack, come on. Um, back to the, back to the have, vaginal birth having, canal. Like, having watched a lot of, a lot of uh, Hollywood movies over the years, I, like, I'd always had this idea in my mind's eye, and I never really gave, gave it any great consideration, <laughs> but that if it was to happen, I'd be at my wife's head up here and holding her hand, and the action would be... Far away. A, a kilometre mm. over that direction. In a different certainly, postcode. Certainly far, far away. And then as it all began to unfold, I was like, I mean, I, you might say that would it, sh- at that point, I maybe should have known that information, the geography of my wife's body. But um, it didn't, didn't quite work out like that. Did and you go uh, and have a look? I, did I go and have a look? It was literally it was right in my there. face. It was like, that's my entire point. It was like, there was literally nothing I could do. <laughs> it's, not it's also like somebody saying... No, you're up the shoulders. Like, but it's like somebody saying, well, you're not. That's my point. Well, I wasn't. Um, it's like somebody saying like, oh... You chose to be there. You know when somebody says, don't look at that thing over there. Like, what's the first thing you do? Um, It was gruesome. That's why I'm impressed to hear that Nathan had sex with his wife in the six months following the birth of the... (laughs) (laughs) To be in a position to be able to be pregnant is just awesome. It is, now now it is you're in trouble. You're, you just, just in case anybody missed it, you said that the scene was so gruesome that you didn't go near your wife for six months afterwards. I'm, I am That's a- exactly what you just said. I, I am a okay with that. Okay. okay. Right, I wonder how your wife feels. <laughs> I was going to make a comment there, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm saying nothing. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to get past that now, isn't it? 
But there is that thing of like nobody has consideration for the man, right? In that dynamic, nobody gives a shit. They're like <laughs> they're right though. In fairness, it's like it's like two people. Uh, the example that I would use, right? It's like two people head off to war, right? Two best friends. You head off to war, and like some shit happens at war that you feel uncomfortable about talking about when you come back. Some people are left with like mental scars, physical scars, and it's like you come back with your best mate, right? And your best mate has had their leg blown off, and for you, you had your thumb severed, right? And nobody gives a shit about you, but you've had your thumb severed. Like, I know that their injury is worse than yours, but you also deserve some sympathy. Sorry, what was the equivalent of the thumb severing for you? The mental scars. Have I not just explained that? Have I not? Did you not just double down on the fact that I didn't have sex for six months after the child? Were you not listening to that part? The mental scars. That was, my, yeah. that was the severing of my thumb. And did you explain to your wife why there was the six-month gap? I think you'd be fair to her. <laughs> to be absolutely fair to her. The look that you were, you were getting from your wife did not exist in that uh, for me in that six months. It wasn't like Adrian was turning her down for those six months. <laughs> we were both like, listen, we've both seen some things. <laughs> Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. I mean, just to, again... We're, just we're to, through it now, by the way. Just, just, just to, well, <laughs> Four years later. So just briefly to reiterate... <laughs> Your wife pushes a watermelon size something or other down her vaginal canal. You bear witness to this, and you have had an experience as bad as her. No, <laughs> so no, no, no. There's an equivalent somehow that's, between that's these things. That's not what I said. You've watched something bad happen. It's happened to her, and you're like, yeah, it's the same. I had to look at it. Exactly. <laughs> have I not explained that already? Uh, okay. There was the one last thing that we wanted to talk about, and that was um, Nathan got into a bit of trouble. Where, so... The other thing that happens with uh, with parenting is that you suddenly find yourself into these weird new social groups where you've got to make small talk with people who have kids the same age as you who you don't know. And, like, I'm not particularly gifted with the old small talk. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to check my phone here for a couple of minutes. Nathan, on the other hand, is the king of small talk. He will happily talk shit to anybody, as I'm sure you've all realized at this point. And so he gets put forward for things like parent-teacher committees, the whole general school. Uh, he's, he's like a social climber. Giving yeah. back. He wants to get back to his, uh, his local community. But the, the problem was that we had him on Skype one time live from an event. And unfortunately, Nathan likes to overshare and couldn't help himself from telling the truth about how much he loves working with these people. Well, no, I just this was one of the first realizations that other people, unfortunately, listen to this podcast and would like to tell my wife things I've said about her in the podcast. I, I would recommend every... There's nobody here from the Parents Association, is there? <laughs> no, there's not many Parents Association people out there. I'm just saying, maybe you could all take a lesson from me. Involve yourself in your children's lives. It does change... Like, having that, that... It is one of the most awkward dynamics of being a father is when your children start school and all the dads are standing around together and you've nothing really in common except your children are in the same school. And all the mothers seem to just naturally have a bond. They're on the WhatsApp group. The dads don't really want to have a WhatsApp group because some of the dads are pricks and you don't really want them to be involved. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> not, 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 not my experience, I'm sure. It's, it's, all, it's all perfectly fine. But you have a major issue with the Parents Association. Like, are you feeling a guilt that you haven't? No, not at all. Put your side that uh, my wife goes to those, and it's like, oh, I have to go to work that evening, or there's a Champions League match on that I have to watch. Carabag versus somebody or other. Have you started coaching your kids' team yet, Dave? Um, I have worn that yellow bib many times already. Yeah. Now they're not old enough so that it's properly organised, like under sevens, a game against another club type of thing. Which yeah, I've I've worn that bib. I've. I've told them to run in and out the cones and kick the ball over that that block of 
retire or something. Are you I think I'm going to join the parents' association. Are you a tiger parents? Sorry, how do you mean? As in, I'm a bit over competitive, overbearing. No, not really. A little I mean, bit. I just, not, not really, but no, a little bit. I'm, no, I don't think I will be either. I just, I just want them to be happy. So I'm not going to force them into anything they don't want to do. If they're not interested in the football, don't worry about it. He's lying. It's fucking I'm, not, no, I'm really not it's lying. It's not that. It's like, he, I, it, I don't know if anybody has ever listened to this podcast, but how long have we been doing it? A year. We've been doing it a year. So for about 10 months of that year, anything that would come from Dave's, mo- uh, Dave's mouth will be the sort of stuff you could write down and go, never do that as a parent. <laughs> and in the last two months, he's become not only the greatest parent of all time, yeah. the greatest human being, I would say. That might be a bit strong, but you're not far off. I just want them to be happy. It was words that I never thought yeah. would spill from your mouth. A, go- a good point for us to wrap this up. Although uh, Nathan did say that the first time he realised people were listening to this was when the parents association started to talk to him about it. There was another time when you thought that people were listening to this. Was this was this back to the parking? Back to the parking. I did have much like Dave. I too, um, and I'm watching. If any of you are around Dublin, I have my eyes open at all stages of uh, people parking in the parent and child spot I did have one of the most embarrassing moments of my life when I pulled into a parent and child spot with a child in my car and somebody had parked you know half sort of sideways almost across two two parent and child spots and there was no car seat in the back so I did what any normal person would do I got my phone out I started taking photographs going around their car some guy across goes there was no child in that car to which I gave the nod of that's why I'm taking photos he listens to the podcast, obviously. He understands the vendetta that we're on against these terrible people. I quickly found out he didn't listen to the podcast, and he just thought I was an absolute weirdo walking around taking <laughs> photographs. But we are setting up a, uh, a WhatsApp group that you can all join to uh, sh- name yeah. and shame these let's stamp people. Out, let's stamp out this process. I'm, Ireland I'm, doesn't need people without kids parking in parent-child parking spaces. I'm most interested, just before we finish, in the dynamic that's going on with these young people over here. No, you two. Yeah, yeah you, you with, the, with the high. Like, what do you? What, what do you which, think which, you were going to? He, which one of you wants to become a parent and has decided that they'll drag the other one over here? This <laughs> oh, good man. <laughs> Hands up from fifty percent of the group. And not shy about it. Good man. <laughs> for, for all we know, he already is a parent. <laughs> and perhaps, right. perhaps he's not even aware of the fact. We're we're gonna get sued now. This is good stuff. <laughs> I hope you have a healthy and fruitful life together. And whatever happens, happens. Just don't look down is the only advice we could give you. Don't look down. It's not that far away. Put it off for as long as possible. It's great advice. Uh, we're in the Who Let the Dads Out section of Trailer Park. This has been Dadcast. My thanks to Rick, Risky Business, the band, who've been here all uh, weekend, put this whole thing together. Maybe we'll be back next year. Did we do okay? Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers. Thank you very much. Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, big thanks for Dave, Adrian, Nathan, and Jared. Thanks for being guys. Thank you. We're all in trouble. <laughs>